The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. 2 Kings chapter 1, on March 30th, 1964, America was introduced to a new game show created by Merv Griffin. It was unique in that it gave the contestants the answers and they had to provide the question. How would you like that as midterms are approaching, right? And thus, Jeopardy became a sensation. More recent game show sensation that did not enjoy the longevity of Jeopardy, but still popular in its own time, was the introduction to a show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, I thought it was a very easy question. Me, (laughs) I would like to be a millionaire. But apparently it's a rhetorical question. But the contestants could earn different point values by simply answering 14 multiple choice questions. How about that, HI 101? 14 multiple choice questions, piece of cake. Uh, They even gave you help by allowing you to poll the audience, get their opinion on it, eliminate two questions, or call a friend. So you need to talk to your history teacher about maybe making that an option during the class. On November 19th, 1999, John Carpenter made it to the million dollar question, the 14th question, and he had not used his phone a friend option yet. The question was presented to him. He looked at the host and he said, I'd like to phone a friend. I'd like to call my dad. And so on recorded television right there, you could hear the phone ring and this gentleman picks up the other line and the host says, hello, this is who wants to be a millionaire. Your your son's made it to the final question and then he turns the line over to John Carpenter. Uh, John, uh, dad's on the phone, and he said, Dad, I actually don't have a question. I just wanted to let you know I'm about to win a million dollars. This guy redefines cool, doesn't he? And he answered the question accurately and won a million dollars. Most likely in your life, like mine, we face a million questions every day. None are for a million dollars, though. It's for something far greater. It's for our life. It's for God's will in our life. The questions don't always seem that paramount at the moment, but life is made up of those little decisions that bring us through the journey of life. I think you would agree that as a student, you know that what makes a multiple choice question particularly difficult is something called the distractors. Those are the three wrong answers in a multiple choice. If they seem close to the right answer, well, we know you just don't know what to do at that point. For example, and this was actually the question that John Carpenter answered correctly for a million dollars. The million dollar question was, which U.S. president appeared on a TV show called The Laugh-In? Okay, so you can, I'm not gonna pay you, but you can think right here, okay? Was it A, Kennedy, B, Johnson, C, Nixon, or D, Ford? Now, if I had asked it differently, if I had said, which U.S. president appeared on a TV show called Laugh-In? Was it A, George Washington, B, Thomas Jefferson, C, Richard Nixon, or D, Queen Victoria? You might be able to narrow it down to Nixon, okay? Some of you are like, I I was thinking Victoria the whole time, all right? And so the, the distractors made it difficult. Boy, what about in our life? We're looking at things, and listen, honestly, there are some things that are, they're blatantly obvious. I know I'm not supposed to do this, 
sin nature will still do it. And then there's other times when we just don't quite know what to do. We're in our Bibles here in 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, was sick. Now, the sick here means wounded. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Let's understand right now, there was absolutely nothing wrong with King Ahaziah of Israel wanting to know if he was going to overcome this. What was wrong was the source with which he went to. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, to whom do you turn in times of of questions, in times of uncertainty, in the crossroads of your life? I know we have the Eagles Invitational going right now, so we may have some high schoolers with us. And, and no doubt many of you remember that you were not there that long ago. And, and there were questions on whether to go to college. Should I go to a Christian college? And so we have questions in our life. But I want you to know, point number one, your physical location does not mean you will choose the right source. Your environment can help. This is the king living in the nation of Israel. He does not even think to turn to God. In fact, in verse 3, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, so this is what God's telling Elijah to do, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that ye go to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Hey, Christian, where are we going for our source, the king of Israel, the king over the, the human king over the promised land does not think to go to God. I think your spiritual location is always more important than your physical location. Judas Iscariot, who, who walked with our Lord, who broke bread with our Lord, who I've got to imagine was asked probably at times to lead in prayer. Well, that was his physical location, but we know his spiritual location. There's also the aspect of Joseph all alone in a pit. And he was exactly where God wanted him to be. As was said earlier in the the year by a guest speaker, it's not that Joseph was sold into slavery. He was sent into slavery. It was God's will. Sometimes your physical location is indicative of your spiritual location. David's in a battle. He goes out there to fight Goliath. This was God's will. Jonah's in the belly of a fish. After about three days, Jonah's going, you know, I think I did something wrong. I don't know if my prayer life is just right. Listen, Jonah knew before he left the boat because they were in the storm. The men said, we're about to die. And Jonah said, oh, I know why. It's God's judgment on my life. But we cannot just depend upon our physical location. So you're here at a Christian college. But have you ever trusted Jesus Christ? Have you stepped out on faith to let him lead you? Faculty, staff member, you're serving full time in a Christian ministry. But what's your relationship like with Jesus Christ? And to our guests, you're in a Christian high school. Now what? You're in those places that can point you to the answer. But you've got to go to it. 
We see in, in verse two, as we'll go back to that, that the king had sent people because he was injured to go. These are advisors. You would like to think that, that these men would have given him the, the, the right advice, but we're reminded that those around you will not necessarily point you to the right source. In verses four through seven, now therefore, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not come down from the bed. So this is what uh, God is telling Elijah to tell these, these men, okay? And so Elijah sees these men and uh, tells them, hey, listen, tell him he's gonna die. He's not gonna leave his bed, he's going to die, okay? And these guys are thinking, well, wow, this is not the news we were expecting to get from the fake God of Beelzebub, you know? We'll call this podium here Beelzebub. We were gonna go, hey, Beelzebub, is he gonna be fine? Oh, he's gonna be fine, great. And we'll just go tell him. And listen, this was a time where you would shoot the messenger. And so now they've gotta come back and, and they come back rather quickly. Right. And we're going to get to that in just a moment where the king's thinking, you know, well, you guys came back kind of fast. What's going on right there? But these guys, they were afraid to tell the king the truth. What about those around you? Will they point you to the right source? If you go back just a couple of pages and you don't need to turn there, but in first Kings, chapter 22, verses four through seven, we've got a battle that's about to take place. Now, Israel's divided at this point. You've got the, the kingdom of Israel. You've got Judah there. And, and these two kings, well, one of them's Ahab. Listen, you never want to be on Ahab's team. Ahab comes to Jehoshaphat and he goes, listen, I think that we should combine forces. Jehoshaphat says, listen, I think we should pray about this. Listen, if anyone ever looks at you and says, nah, you don't need to pray about it, run. <laughs> like you don't need them in your life. Now, I would agree that there's some things you don't need to pray about. Can you believe I just said that? Like your alarm goes off. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to pray. I don't know if I'm going to go to first hour today. Okay. I don't, I don't know if it's God's will. Let me help you out. It is God's will for you to go to class. Okay. But obviously major decisions in life. Because I think we should pray about it. You know what Ahab does? Ahab brings out hundreds of false prophets and says, okay, let's ask them. And some of you, I think you're surrounded by these false prophets that will just tell you what you want to hear. You don't need friends like that. Those are your enemies. They're enemies that are nice to you, that, that make you laugh, but they're not here for your good. And so kings will surround themselves. People who are not royalty will surround themselves with people like that. You need to understand that, that Satan is not here to point you to the right source. He's here to plant seeds of doubt in your mind. Eve's in the garden, and, and what does he do? Yea, hath God said? Come on, did he really say that? And we're sitting here going, Eve, why are you talking to a snake? I don't know, why are you dating one? <laughs> now, before you get mad, and go to your dorm and call mama and say, Mr. Smith called my date a snake. Just get my name right. It's pronounced Adkins, okay? Uh, <laughs> not you, someone else, okay? <laughs> but in all seriousness, isn't it, isn't it amazing that when we're on the outside looking in, we see the danger in it? But, but when you're in there, no, no, th this person's not bad for me. Why? Because, because she's pretty? 
Only ugly people lie to you? I mean, come on, really? We know there's a multitude in, in counselors, but that multitude is not a boyfriend who's defying your father's wishes. It's not a best friend who hates the college. It's not a teammate who's negative about the things of God. Job's friends and wife, we know the verse, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. I'm sorry, but Job was the exception to this. You remember her advice? Curse God and die. I wonder if Job thought about saying, hey, you go first. <laughs> Let's see how it works out. You go first. Hey, those around you will not necessarily point you to the right source. Number three, your position does not determine your source, your position, your title. This was the king of Israel. Are you a pastor's son, a missionary kid? What title do you have? And understand that it's, it's just a title. I think in our Christian home, we will get caught up in this idea of thinking that the church or the Christian school will, will raise or rear our children in the direction that they should go. Hey, they're, they're going to Bible class Monday through Friday. They're in Sunday school. We've got Wednesday evening service, Sunday morning, Sunday night service. Everything's good. So I'm a Christian school student, right? I'm a pastoral ministry major or whatever the case may be. And we get hung up on, on titles that are just that, they're titles. Of course, the most important title that one could have is, is a child of God. And, and of course, once your, your sins are saved and, and you've got that settled, now it's the act of purposely seeking him. You know, I, uh, I'm just confession time with, with Mike Smith. I am horrible at following directions. I know that's not supposed to be very manly, okay? Uh, I'm not the type that says, I'm going to drive for an hour and just find my, I will stop and I will ask for directions. Okay, now, thankfully, we have cell phones and, and GPS and so forth. But when I first started driving in high school in my Model T, I would, uh, I'd, I'd get lost a lot. And I would come up on, on, on an intersection, right? Or, or a fork in the road. It's like, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to go one of these two ways. And, and you just pick a spot. And then you drive, and then you find out, yeah, I'm going in the wrong direction. You know, life's not really like that. It's not 50-50 or an intersection where, you know, 25% that you'll get it right, I guess. It's more like we come to it, and there's a million different paths that we could take. And God has one for you. One. Sometimes that, that path is to wait Wait. Okay, so I've, I've put a lot of thought into this, and, and I know I'm not going to give you a lot of time to put a lot of thought into this, okay? But I need you to think about it. I need you to hear me out. And this is very, very serious. If you could have the ability to fly or turn red lights green, just think about it. What would you do, okay? Now, see, you simple-minded people, you're like, if I can fly, why do I need red lights, right? Who's simple-minded? Okay, <laughs> three people. <laughs> I'm simple-minded. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. Uh, I, I'm going to go with turning red lights green, okay? Because what if I, what if I got to go get groceries for my wife? Am I flying? And carrying, see, all these groceries? Well, I'm going with my family to church. Bye, family. Or I'm going to carry them. What if it's raining, 
I told you, I've put a lot of thought into this. I hate red lights. I'm going to get to heaven and I want to know how long I spent at Airport Boulevard at that red light right there. And the number of crowns I lost while sitting at that red light at airport. By Friday, I'm like, I'm in a deficit. I got to do some good things, okay? <laughs> and we don't like to wait. It's like, I, I, I want to I wanna go. Been in that amusement line at, at, at Disney, okay? Listen, it doesn't matter how long it is as long as it's moving, okay? Wait 17 days. <laughs> as long as I'm walking, all right? Five minute wait, like, how long is this going to take? Okay, we just want to keep moving. And sometimes God says, stop. That's where you're supposed to go. Wait, okay, wait on the Lord. Your position, your title does not determine your source. Here's the king of Israel who was not going to the right source. Can I say your sincerity does not validate your source? Your sincerity. I believe that the king is incredibly serious here. He's fearful of his life. And yet he is sending people to go to Beelzebub, above, excuse me, the God of Ekron, which is interpreted Lord of the Flies. This is who you want to go to to find out if you are going to be okay. And so there are people that will do things that they are very sincere about. But it does not mean that it's the right source. This morning, I, I, I'm talking to the 10th graders. Those of you that may have had me on a, on a Becca video in, in 10th grade world history were re-videoing that, and it was on the persecuted church. And, and no doubt, those in Rome saw the, the sincerity and the passion and the courage of those Christians that were not bowing down and they kept their witness. But, but listen, you got to think that there are other people that will do things that are just as sincere, but it doesn't make it right. When Elijah's on the mountain and, and he sees the people that are cutting themselves and, and crying from morning till noon, no one's doubting their sincerity. These people were very, very serious about their fake God. But what happens is that we'll, we'll equate our sincerity with, with feelings, right? We're told by this world to trust our heart, to thine own self be true. Uh, Mr. Bobby Crockett, some of you know, he's on staff here, a, a great, great friend of mine, uh, brought up this point. I, I never thought about it before. He said, uh, you know, we, we've been taught and, and trained and programmed to, to put a lot of emphasis on feeling and, and to trust in feeling. And, and sorry for getting on the soapbox here, but well, Disney and, and Pixar, they've done a pretty good job with that, haven't they? They started out by telling us that uh, toys had feelings. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And then, who knew? Cars have feelings, right? Then, then robots have feelings. Monsters have feelings. And even feelings have feelings. I didn't like that one. Okay. Um, but what does the Bible tell us? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To lean not unto our own understanding, right? But to trust in the Lord, to let him lead you, to let him guide you. 
to let him put up that stop sign and say, just hey, wait right here. God's desire is that he would lead you in the path that he wants you to go. So when we compare those multiple choice questions to decisions we have to make in our lives, we can think of it like this. The correct answer is God's perfect will in our life. In God's permissive will, well, it's the, it's the wrong answers. It's the wrong answers. God did not make us, and, and, and many times I wish he did, to be a robot, right? To program us to do what's right. Maybe you were younger and you would get in a fight with a sibling. I don't know, did this ever happen? And mom said, you will hug them. You will tell them you love them and say something nice about them, right? And you're like, yeah, well, you got a really cool brother. Okay, so you're kind of bragging on yourself. Yeah. You always found loopholes to it. Um, and, and, and any nice thing that you said was, was not very genuine, a little disingenuine. So... Here it is, okay? God wants you to choose him. He wants you to, to lean on him. We assign a lot of things here at the college, things to do, be here at this time, go here, do that. And um, things have changed, and I believe all for the good in the area of, of rules since uh, I was here, and, and for our, our, our nursing students of the class of 1990, we, we remember, okay, what things used to be like. But I don't think we've got to the point where we have assigned you um, a spouse, right? We're not doing that yet? Okay. As a dad of two daughters, I've recommended that a couple of times. It's fallen on deaf ears, okay? And, and listen, we also understand that that, in some cultures, that happens, but it also would be a little weird, right? You okay with mom and dad picking your spouse? You're okay with mom and dad approving of who you pick as your spouse, right? I get that. What about a best friend? You're not assigned best friends. Listen, it happens naturally. And that makes it a, that makes it a true friendship here. God, in, in creating us in his infinite wisdom, he also gave us that free will. And God's not going to make us choose the right path. What he's asking is that he gets to have fellowship with you when you go to God and say, God, show me. God, let me. Is it okay, God, if I lean on you? And God says, come here. Lean on me. God says, I'm not pointing you through this trial. I'm holding your hand and I'm leading you through the trial. And that's completely different, isn't it? completely different. A lot of stories, as you would understand, have come about from the World War II era. And one of them is the bombs in the London Blitz just falling on England. Uh, the German Luftwaffe just indiscriminately bombing and just trying to buckle the will of the, of the English people. And so at night, this is when the German Air Force would do its raids because it was too dangerous to fly during the day. The, the RAF and uh, anti-aircraft uh, uh, ammunition that were pretty good. And so they would do their raids at night. And so the people of London, they would go into these underground bunkers. And, and I don't know why, but you know, you got that, that distinct noise of those bombs falling, right? And you're just hearing that all night. 
And of course, you're hearing them hit and, and the, the ceiling above you, which is the ground, is shaking. And I, I can just see rubble coming down in these little tunnels and a light flickering and, and shaking back and forth. And we've been told that over a loudspeaker would be Winston Churchill's very distinct voice in saying, everything's going according to plan. Now, you may have been wondering, what is the plan to be obliterated? But I think that it did give a sense of confidence to the people of Great Britain that, hey, we, he knew this was going to happen. We've prepared for it. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever just occurred to God Almighty? That he, he has a plan. He wants you to follow it. You do that by leaning on him. But you've got a lot of distractors in your life. You've got the busyness of life. You're at a Christian college. I believe that this is a good thing. I am 100% sold on Christian college. I'm a little biased about this place in, in the sense that I did graduate from here and, and, and serve on, on faculty here. Absolutely love this place. I, I, I truly believe that if I did not, if I felt as though this was out of harmony with God, that, that I would be gone. And so I, I love this place. So you're here and, and you're, you're hearing God's word. Are you leaning on him? Are you letting him guide you and direct you to the right answer? Is that your source? God's permissive will. You know, sometimes we will look at everything going on in our life, okay? And actually, this is embarrassing. Have my notes on my cell phone over here, okay, that I left right here. Something I want to read. I came across an article, and uh, those of you that, that follow college football will know the name Johnny Manziel, right? And Johnny Manziel won the Heisman. He played quarterback for Texas A&M. And this is a number of years ago. Johnny Manziel came from money. I mean, he had family uh, money, and, and now he was about to get a whole lot more of it. Gets drafted, and uh, I, I'm guessing a documentary is going to be done on Johnny Manziel. It was called Johnny Football. That was his nickname. Had some incredible plays. And this is an excerpt from that documentary. He said, basically, it, it's chronicling the fall of Johnny Manziel. He said, I had every single thing I could have ever wanted. You have money. You have fame. You're a first-round draft pick battling for a starting quarterback position. And when I got everything that I wanted, I think I was the most empty that I've ever felt inside. I would sit in my condo in Cleveland downtown, just feel like it was the only place that I could get away from everybody and anything. I would look out those windows every day and I just felt empty. I went from one fishbowl city to another and I wanted nothing to do with football. I wanted nothing to do with stepping on that field. He said, and I had bigger issues in my life than being able to go out and play free-spirited flowing football. You know, Johnny Manziel's at a place in his life where he's got questions. And unfortunately, like a lot of people, we don't get any indication that he went to the source there. Isn't this a, a testimony that plays out time and time again? You go back to Solomon, resting in his title, in his position, in his geographic location. And he looked at all of that 
And he said, vanity of vanities. He said, if I thought about it, I had the influence, the resources, the power to make it happen. He goes, and when I started getting all of those things, it left me feeling absolutely empty. This world is going to throw distractors at you. Some of them are not as obvious as George Washington was he on a TV show. Sometimes they're, they're more subtle. The father of lies will, will come at you and, and he will, will get you to doubt God's word. Hey, in, in order for you to be confident in God's word, you've got to know what God's word says. So that when the, the devil, that serpent says, yea, hath God really said, you can say, yeah. Yeah, he really did say it. It said the written word right here. How did Christ defeat Satan when he was tempted? With the word of God. You got to get in God's word. When we talk about the, the, uh, uh, the armor, right? There, there's only one aspect of the armor that was an offensive weapon. We've talked about the, you know, the, the breastplate and, and, and the shield and the helmet. But what about the sword? Yeah, that can be used to defend, but that can also be used to attack. And that was the word of God. And so not only are we going into life with questions, and there's nothing wrong with having questions, but we're going into life without a map. We're going into it blind, and we're just hoping. If anything, we're resting on our feelings, we're resting on those around us, and we're seeing that that is leading us in the wrong direction. And so there's God's perfect will, and then there's God's permissive will. Hey, do you fight against those who are trying to direct you in God's will? God brings people in your life. You know that. It, it might be the authority in this school. It might be your parents. It might be um, a, a youth pastor back home. It might be a friend that God is using to direct you into the right path. Uh, check out what happened here. And, and we're going to close here in just a moment. These guys come back, right? They're, they're unnamed. We don't know their, their names. And verse five, when the messengers turned back into him, he said unto them, why are ye now turned back? Hey, I sent you out to go find a fake God, Beelzebub, to inquire, am I gonna be okay from this foot injury? And you're back awfully quick. Verse six, and they said unto him, there came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire bells above the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on, on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. So they just gave the king the bad news, right? In verse 7, he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? Now these guys didn't think to get Elijah's name either. So they give a a description. And they answered him. He was an hairy man. Okay. And you see Ahaziah going, okay, go on. He was an hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather. Okay. He's like, he was a hairy man and he had a leather belt. Elijah. Okay. I guess the leather belt gave it away. I'm not sure. And now he's mad at Elijah. No, he's mad at God. He's got a problem with God. He doesn't have a problem with Elijah. He never went to God to begin with. He's going to Beelzebub. Hey, is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Is he saying, hey, come back. Okay, this is the path that I want for you. Stop running from me. 
Stop leaning on your feelings. Stop leaning on other people. Stop leaning on the, the physical location of being in a particular institution. And God says, lean on me. Hey, college student, we have some high schoolers here with us. I, I hope that this morning you would be encouraged to, to go to God and know that he desires for you to have the right answer. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.